Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's The Falcon and Winter Soldier. It is a masterpiece, James. Complete. Comprehensive. It captures the African-American experience. Guten Tag, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's episode, titled Power Broker, we see Sam and Bucky team up with an unexpectedly rich villain, uh, we travel to the dark underbelly of a lawless city, and we get the reveal of not one, but two badass women of the MCU. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but actually it's like way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we easily escape a German prison, let me introduce you to our crew of extremely helpful butlers. First up, Coming in to do shots of Snake, his favorite drink. He's not white, he's kind of brown, and he's always getting high down in low town. We got the jazziest Madriporian gentleman, Justin. Yeah, easily one of my favorite names that you've come up with. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Getting high down in low town. Uh, and oh, hold on. Wait, wait a minute. I'm hearing from Intel now. That the package that was MIA last week has finally been delivered, and oh my, what a package he is. He's dropping it like it's hot, popping it like it's not, and locking it like he's got a purple mask and a chessboard. He's Baron Kevin Hudson. Oh, yeah. All right. There you go. Unexpectedly rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unexpectedly rich. Not unless there's an inheritance coming through that I don't know about. No, yeah. How are you guys doing this fine evening? Doing well. Good. Good, good. Ready to talk about all things Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode three. Kev, happy to have you back. We're excited to hear your thoughts on the episode. Yeah, you know what? I uh, enjoyed this week uh, more than I did last week, so I'll, I'll have more positive things to say than I probably would have last week. Interesting. Not that okay. it was a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination. For sure, for right. sure. Well, we'll get into it, and uh, we'll get into the plot. But before we do, uh, before we escape our thoughts on what happened in this week's episode, uh, guys, let's start with just a brief overview on your high-level thoughts on the uh, on the episode. Kev, what, you know, why don't you continue there? We'll start with you. Yeah, I just thought you know the, the first episode was was a bit slower, but it was really just sort of reintroducing us to some characters that we hadn't spent a lot of time with. And then I thought l- last week's episode did a really good job of sort of setting into motion what we were going to see this season. But I just wanted to get there, you know? And so the mm. sort of tease of uh, Zemo at the end there, it was like, no, 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 I want to get in there. And so, of course, this week doing so, it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I just, he's just so darn good. Uh, he's just so amazing. So I had yeah. a lot of fun with uh, his character this week, for sure. Very cool. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of with Kevin on this episode in the sense that I, I just kind of want to get there. Um, I enjoyed yeah. last week's episode because of of some reveals. And the reveals in this episode, while um, I guess they were to be anticipated or expected, if you will, based At on rumors. one of them, I think. Yeah, uh, based uh, on, on one of them, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of wish that this was a, a six episode dump rather than uh, a week to week. You just want to dump, dude. Well, no, I, I just want, like, I feel like I really just want to watch this story, right? Like, I, I don't know. Right. Well, it's because it's a movie. You keep calling it a movie. Well, Every yeah. week we talk. I, yeah. And you're and, like, and, it's and a I, movie. And I did find, like, again, this episode ends on that part. I'm like, yes, their next mission. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, yes, I got to wait till next <laughs> wait week. Wait a week. Right? And it's <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that's getting a annoying. Thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah no, I, uh, I get I, it. I, I get it. Well, and I'm surprised you aren't more positive, Justin, considering. Considering this is like, it's not so much now a post blip 
show. It's almost like a sequel to the Winter Soldier movie, yeah, which yeah, is really. like your favorite, no? Yes, yes, it is my favorite. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm surprised you aren't just yeah, like, no, yeah, I, I, if that's where this is going. But that's, again, I, like, I'm like i sure we'll get more payoffs and it's going to be very gratifying towards the end. But I guess I'm just so excited about it and I'm so into where it's going that I just want it all now. Like, I'm impatient. I'm, I'm kind of in that Nate mode of just like, feed me. I'm like <laughs> greedy for it. You know what I mean? I just want it now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> let's go. Let's, yeah, get, exactly. let's get going. Yeah, right? I, I got to say, like, yeah, Justin, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I actually, this wasn't my favorite episode, um, but I did still really enjoy it. Yes, like, yes. I mentioned I mentioned last week how I thought that Marvel's just been so consistent. Uh, and I think it, with this episode, the only thing is they may have missed the mark uh, in terms of narratively balancing this episode. Mm. I, I found that there were some really strange choices made in terms of the structure of some of the scenes. Yeah, uh, And I'll, I'll get into that as we start to get into some of these scenes. Things felt a little scenes. bit rushed at times, right? Like, just yes. kind of, like, glazed over a little bit. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll talk and about I, it I, well, what do you want, scenes. guys? Do you want it fast or do you want it to... No, but I, I, no, I, I, I understand there's a, a real sense of difference in, in what we're saying in terms of what we want and what we're getting. But I think that like there was just certain things that felt very convenient... Uh, versus yeah. things that felt very narratively plausible, yeah. you know, things that kind of fell into place very easily versus things that you kind of like flush out a little bit more, I guess, as as the episodes go on. Um, so, yeah. But but Kevin, to your point, the character chemistry was incredible in this episode. And I thought the fight choreography more than makes up for a lot of the missteps of the narrative balancing. Uh, and I'll explain more as we go through the plot and, and uh, we can talk about who wrote this episode uh, and why we may feel that this reminds us of maybe another uh, franchise uh, that we've, we've enjoyed. But we'll get to that all later, guys. Let's start by just getting into this plot. Guys, the episode starts with an advertisement uh, for the GRC, the Global Repatriation. Repatriation Council. They got to come up with an easier. I guess what's the way how they, they call it the GRC, uh, <laughs> where we hear a narrator promising to help. Uh, you know, help you get back to the way things were. Uh, with stock footage of sort of happy people getting back to their lives as the GRC has helped them reset, restore, and rebuild. Then we cut to a GRC van door open up as John Walker approaches the safe house in Munich uh, where, where the Flag Smashers had stayed the night before. Uh, as the GRC officers around him use force to hold everyone in the room against the wall, John interrogates Rudy, uh, who is the guy who was helping them stay there, uh, who refuses to answer him saying he doesn't know where, where they are. John says, that's BS, and Rudy looks at him and spits in his face. That was an awesome moment. Uh, in a fit of rage, John slams Rudy into the wall and says, Don't you know who I am? To which Rudy replies in English, saying, Yes, I do, and I don't care. Uh, Lamar attempts to calm John down, and John suggests uh, that they bet on, bet on someone with a better hand. Uh, so, guys, what did, first of all, what did you think of this advertisement uh, opening? Something we haven't seen since WandaVision. It was it was intentional, uh, obviously, to yeah. help give a bit of a background to what the organization is. Uh, sorry, the acronym again is uh, the GRC. GRC. So who the yeah. GRC people? Because we've heard them reference, and, and it's interesting. Again, uh, I think I mentioned this last episode. Taking something so fantastical as half of life disappearing and having them come back, the GRC are in place as like a plausible sort of organization yes. that is de designed to help reintegrate these people into society. Because five years after they they disappeared society was going the other direction and accepting the fact that they're never going to come back right so right. you know this idea of again was it really right for these heroes to to do that you know i think the interesting part of of what the ad is meant to do and what it's meant to tell you and then the the stark cut of the doors yes. opening and and there's that contrast yes and and yeah. the realization that that what's front facing and what's behind the scenes are two different things 100%. um so i think that that's that was kind of the intention of the scene to give you a little bit more of a distorted view of who this new Captain America could be, right? Because he's still a little right. sketch. Because that scene that towards the end with Lamar, you know, where yeah. he's getting frantic and he's like, oh, we, we you know, we, I'm going to take a bet on someone else. Like, and like, you know, right before he says that line, they have this weird sort of shot sequence of him and he's like, just, he's, he's enraged. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I agree. Like, I love how they contrasted the, the peaceful uplifting vibe of the GRC ad with like the brute force and the actual, you know, you see how John reacts to all this stuff. He's definitely starting to, to lose his way. We see him unhinged here after he gets spit in the face and clearly he's on his way to the dark side. Right. But um, I just thought it was really well done and really smart. And it, it really helps to your point, Justin ground this world in reality, because you have to imagine that the advertisement, that's what people like us would be seeing. 
you know, we'd be seeing that on TV and we'd be like, oh, yeah, the GRC is actually like so great. And like I'd 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 I probably like donate to them on stream or something <laughs> like I would have, you know, I would have a bracelet that says GRC or something like there there's there's the aspect of the fact that there's human beings in the world and they have no idea that any of this is going on. So I just think that's so cool how much that probably mirrors in a kind of a scary way um, our own reality. Yeah, I, 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 I just think it's such a good way to sort of explain what's going on without having a character sort yes. of tell, telling somebody. That's just such yeah. a smart way to get that information across from us. And then, yeah, to see to see the new Captain America resemble kind of uh, his comic book character where he was at this stage um, where he yes. is sort of like almost like getting arrogant with the power that he's been uh, you know given. So I just thought that was a, a great scene to... Because we didn't see much of him in this episode. I was quite surprised, actually. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. He doesn't show up again I, for a while after this. Yeah. I really hope that we get um, at least one more episode that's, like, more focused on him. I think it would be really cool. It's um, coming. Just to maybe, just, yeah, to see, like, his downfall. I'd love to see him kill someone, to be honest with you, like, in his rage. Like, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him maybe get that. I don't think he actually has the serum yet. I don't know. I keep going back and forth. But I would love to see him get the serum and then react and then just like crush someone's head and just be like, what have I done? And like, there's people like taking pictures of him on their phone. Like maybe it happens in like an open street. I don't know. I could really see them going full dark villain with him, which is awesome. So guys, uh, we cut back to Berlin to see Sam and Bucky walking the halls of the German prison where Bucky decides to meet Zemo on his own. Uh, longing, rusted. 17. Zemo approaches Bucky and the two discuss the past uh, and uh, Zemo apologizes letting Bucky know it was never personal it's just a means to an end. Bucky enlightens Zemo on the situation with the Flag Smashers and Zemo instantly recognizes Sam and Bucky's desperation for a solution. Lucky for them he knows where to begin. We cut back to see Bucky informing Sam of his plan to break Zemo out of jail. Obviously reluctant based on their history, Sam disagrees with the plan, saying that Zemo is going to mess with their minds, reminding Bucky that he blew up the UN, killed King T'Chaka, and blamed Bucky for it, stating that the Wakandans didn't forget. Uh, as Bucky walks Sam through his hypothetical plan, I'm using air quotes there, uh, we see the plan executed as Bucky explains it. But what we and Sam don't realize at this point is that it's already happened, and Zemo walks right into the room. Uh, after reacting, Sam reluctantly agrees and asks Zemo, where do we start? As Zemo cracks a smile, we cut to the intro title. Uh, so guys, what did you think of the reintroduction to Zemo, and do you think Sam and Bucky made the right call in trusting him? I don't even think they have a choice. I think they made it pretty yeah. clear that they need you know, his sort of background information on, on, you know, the people that were involved in the original attempts to create the, the serum and everything like that. And so I love that they're forced into this situation that they probably otherwise would not want to be in. And uh, it's yeah. for our entertainment in the end. So, you know, we, we, we all win because of it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, at the end of the last episode, it was pretty clear they had no leads and the only lead they had was Zemo because they knew about his past and, and they've already had a previous history with him. Uh, so it makes the most sense. They have to trust him to, to get to the next step of, of information. I loved Zemo in Civil War. I think, you know, it, it gave you that side, that, that story of him. But here we got to see the personality show a little bit more, um, which was great. And, yes. and it, it'll continue as, as, as it goes. But even in this one scene, we got to see a little bit more of a a, uh, relaxed, if you will, and a bit more. Um, he's a little bit more accepting, I guess, of the circumstances that he's in. So he he seems he doesn't seem like he's on edge as much as he was in, in yeah. obviously Civil well, War. So <laughs> see, I, I read it. I read it as he's you know he's uh, he's ready. You know what I mean? Like I read it as he's he's, he's had all this time. He's in control. He's had all this time yeah. to relax and take time off, and now he's like, let's get to work. And I thought I thought the way that they showed the the breakout was really well executed. Um, I mean, it was a bit how much, easy, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, given how much runtime they have in these episodes, I think, and and how much they have to get through with the rest of the series, I, I was, you know, I'm happy about the the, the pacing on it. I'm glad it, you know, I kind of want it to be a little more bombastic, but I think this was actually one of the parts of the episode that I, I liked the the pacing of. Yeah. But uh, I, I honestly, I mean, they, I don't think they made the right call at all. Zemo is definitely going to betray them big time. 100%. Uh, yeah. And I think his character is actually going to align with... Uh, with John and Bucky in the sense that um, I think that they're all going to, we're all going to see all of them sort of succumb to their inner voices, telling them to do, 
you know, what, what they have to do to achieve their goals. So I think, I think, you know, we're going to see them sort of break down because they can't help it. Like, I, th- I think obviously we'll get to a little bit in terms of Bucky and his maybe, um, how easy it is him for him to fall back into his old ways uh, a little bit later in the episode. But I just feel like we're going to see moments where all three of those uh, characters are going to have, have really sort of dark moments where they regress into their, their darkest form or something like that. I kind of feel like there's going to be some sort of theming going on with those characters. So guys, then we see Zemo explain his past, hunting down anyone Hydra recruited uh, to recreate the serum, explaining that once it's out there, someone can create an army of people like the Avengers. As he grabs his purple mask, he explains that he's ended the super soldier program before uh, and that he has no intention of letting his work go unfinished. He lets Sam and Bucky know that his first step uh, in his plan is to reach a woman named Selby. Uh, so they hop on Zemo's plane and Sam exclaims, the whole time you've been rich? Uh, Zemo explains that uh, all this time he's still been a baron um, and uh, and he's got a plane. So on the plane, uh, Zemo wastes no time in driving a wedge between Sam and Bucky as he encourages arguments over Marvin Gaye and discusses the symbolism of Captain America. Uh, he tells them about their destination, Madripoor, and lets them know that they can't just walk in as themselves and that Bucky will have to become someone he claims is gone. So guys, this scene on the plane really helps to show... Uh, the lasting power of wealth. Did you expect to see Zemo owning his own plane? And did you expect him to have a butler friend? I mean, clearly, clearly, uh, you know, uh, the, the butler is, you know, like a family friend or whatever. Like right. he was obviously he's very close when he was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's exactly. his Alfred and he's Batman. <laughs> Essentially. I like that. I mean, it yeah. does make sense. He is a baron. His yeah. family was royalty. Right. So yeah. why yeah. wouldn't he be stinking rich? And it helps. It certainly helps drive the plot, right? It yeah. makes that sort of convenient for yeah. everybody that they can get around easily. That's, you know, again, it, it, it does make sense because he is a baron that he would be wealthy. Uh, this is our first instance where we get a callback to Sokovia uh, and his yeah. and his sort of disdain of, of the events that happened. You know, before your, your team laid waste to my country, he says, I believe, right? So yeah. the scene on the plane, though, where he's talking about Marvin Gaye and that that was really funny yeah. and also very, very introspective, like at the same time for, for someone like Zemo. And I love how like uh, Sam is just like, he's way out of line, but he's entirely right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, he should not be talking about African American culture but he's he's right and then his his uh deep deep sort of introspective look at the icon iconography of captain america and what that means and really hitting home the idea of of what uh sam struggled with uh it it does it does really at, at the end of the day serve as another level of layering to why sam gave that shield up but it's interesting like i i love that you called out um zemo and and how he just how smart and how cunning he is in the sense that maybe he maybe he doesn't fully understand or or um even potentially believe in what he's actually saying about Marvin Gaye but he knows that those are the right words to say to get on one side of these two heroes uh, and so I just thought there was it was so cool to see that sort of juxtaposition of him immediately starting to drive a wedge, but also to see him like literally just before, you know, walking up to his family butler and kissing him on the cheek and giving him a hug. And I'm like, this show is doing such a great job of showing us that like nobody's like good or bad necessarily in this series, at least, um, including Zemo, who like up until this point, like. I didn't think he was capable of friendship. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, you see him in this light. Well, can you say? And then you immediately, you know? Can you say? Well, yeah, no, I, I get it. You see him in the light, and you you understand a different side. But even in the justification of of civil war, yeah. of his intention, of what he was trying to do, yes, it's it's a yeah. bad guy mentality. But can you really blame the guy who lost his family? And you know what I mean? Like, even just coming off of something like twenty four where they look at the other side of that coin, where they just take yeah. a look and they say, like, can you really challenge what what is right and what is wrong morally based on the actions and, and the justification, right? So, like, is he really that super villain or is he just super intelligent and knows how to work a situation? Yeah, I don't I don't think we we know who he was before uh, the Sokovia incident yeah. took place. He might have been a, 
a very a nice guy man. and a family yeah. man. He was a military man. And, yeah. He was a military man. That's as much as we knew other than that fact that he was a baron, right? But he was a military guy. He was part of the Sarkovia. That's why he was so tactical and knew how to do things so well. Um, but it's just, you know, again, can we really say that he's a supervillain given given what's happening? We'll, we'll see as it evolves, right? So I think we're seeing more the birth of a supervillain rather than than him actually being the supervillain that he is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Civil War was like the first step. Here, we're getting a little bit more, and I think we'll we'll see more. And just to uh, jump back on the whole Marvin Gaye thing, um, like, I love that Sam, Sam loves this album, clearly. Yeah. He's been talking <laughs> yeah. about it his entire MCU career. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of neat that um, the episode aired on April 2nd, yeah. uh, which would have been uh, Marvin Gaye's 82nd birthday. And so it was oh, kind really? of a neat cool. way. It's, it worked out well in that they were able to pay tribute in that you know, oh, that's way. really cool. That's really cool. I really enjoyed the one little Easter egg here that was dropped. That was as a confirmation, though. That is that book belonged to Steve Rogers, right? Because yeah. I think we, you had mentioned it, Nate, in our very first yep. one. Imagine that we find out that that belonged to him, and a hundred percent it does. So that means Nailed that it. means Steve Rogers left it for him to be like, hey, this stuff helped. Like I, I to get me reintegrated into current times, right? So, and now he's adding to it and and building his own sort of thing. So I, I think that 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 shows again that brother bond between Bucky and and Steve that was just that ran so deep. And he did believe in him. He did believe in him to be more than just the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm happy that I got that right. That's about the only thing that I've ever gotten right, besides of course Mephisto <laughs> being in the series. Uh, but guys, let's get back to it here. Back in Latvia uh, at the CRG resettlement camp. Um, Dovich lets Carly know that there's not much time and that she should be with her. Uh, then we see the death of a woman uh, who goes by Mama Danya, uh, with Carly holding her hand saying she's sorry. Guys, really quick, just before we keep going here, uh, who do you think Mama Danya was? Well, wasn't he a teacher? Was there a teacher? I, don't know. I guess she, I mean, later in the episode, it's explained that she was a teacher. Yeah. Right. But like, uh, you know, was she like the leader of the Flag Smashers or, or something like that? Because mm. I, like, I think I think she was maybe like a mother uh, to Carly. Yeah, a motive. Um, I feel like she's yes. the motive. She's the motive of why she's doing doing everything she's doing, and we'll understand yes. that motive a little bit more. But at least yeah. here we saw a loss that was obviously very integral to her. That is is only going to influence her to become, and I think she's working towards being a villain of 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 some kind, especially sure. given the events that will take place later. Oh yeah, we'll talk about it. Well, and and then this is really where we get to see the truth of what's going on in these uh, internment camps versus the the rosy picture that the G of the, uh, the GRC is painting versus the reality yeah. of conditions yes. in these that you know people are dying because of overcrowding and probably starving and you know that sort of thing so well and once again we're getting another sort of you know it's not just black and white they're painting in gray here with yes you know th there's a villain if you want to call carly a villain uh and the flag smashers villains that have a pretty understandable motive like yes. it's it, you yeah. can see where they're coming from so it's they might be doing the wrong things in order to try and achieve something that is ultimately right in yes. the end you know yes that's that great way to say that did you guys notice the uh the the charm on the end of her bracelet um it's the hand with the world in it which i know that's like the flag smasher symbol that we see torres like with the augmented reality he uses that to find them but uh it it also it reminded me a lot of the hand of uh hamsa uh which is a, a universal sign of protection um and power and strength and it date, dates back to the the ancient mesopotamia um and when it faces down uh, like it is in the shot that we see it, uh, it represents welcoming the goodness of the universe into your life, which kind of makes me feel like, um, you know, this was meant to represent uh, Carl Morgenthau's dad in the comic books. We had Mitch on the show last week, uh, and he talked about Carl Morgenthau uh, and his, his relationship with his dad, who his dad really believed that the world was capable of peace and goodness. Um, but the, in the end, he wasn't able to really change change it right he wasn't able to change the world and so i feel like this is maybe how carly sees mama danya right she sees that she sees what she started but she knows that in order to finish it she may have to use or she does have to use violence 
Uh, and so I just thought that was an interesting sort of parallel there. And I pro- I'm probably reading too much into that, but uh, but that's kind of how I saw it. I've seen that symbol before. It's uh, it's actually prominent in the the Last of Us. Uh, Ellie gets a bracelet. Anyways, uh, guys, next we see Madripoor in all its neon good glowing goodness, uh, walking down the street, and they look, they're like strutting down the street almost. Um, we see uh, we see Zemo and Sam and Bucky, and Zemo explains that no matter what happens, they must stay in character. With Sam taking on the role of Conrad Mack, aka the Smiling Tiger, uh, which by the way, apparently uh, in the comic books. He was, that's like the, one of the original origin stories uh, for Sam was that he was like a, a pimp. And so it's obviously very troublesome. That yeah, they, 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 they went back that. and retconned that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but I think but that's, that's kind a of fun a, way to pay tribute to it, right? Yes, to sort yeah. of pay homage. Just yeah. sort of pay homage to like, look how far we've come. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, but uh, guys, with no friends in Hightown, uh, they take a car into Lowtown. Uh, and uh, as they're escorted uh, in by a, like a biker gang, uh, the three of them head down into Lowtown, surrounded by lawlessness. Uh, they enter a club, and Zemo asks to see Selby. The bartender asks him if Conrad wants his usual drink. Uh, as the people around them start to take notice, uh, also we see a hooded figure cover themselves up even more. We'll get to that later. Uh, the bartender cuts open a snake and removes the snake's amniotic sac and drops it into Sam's drink. We watch him drink it uh, very carefully, um, almost as like a, it's, it's like he's proving his identity to the bartender because the bartender is just like staring at him. Uh, and after being approached by one of the power brokers thugs, Zemo asks the Winter Soldier to attack. Uh, just as the fight gets out of hand uh, and everyone draws guns on them, the bartender lets them know Selby will see them now. So guys, what did you think of, first of all, what did you think of Madripoor? Uh, and then also seeing Bucky bring back the Winter Soldier so easily. Justin. Uh, seeing Madripoor was great. Uh, I think it's a good introduction to this new world. It had that nice South Asian infused sort of style to it, which is where its origin is in obviously uh, the Marvel comics. It's primarily featured in X-Men, which I think is interesting. Right. Um, given the fact that the bar that they walked into, which was called uh, the Princess Bar, is owned by Wolverine. Oh, right. really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, now we need to go back and see if there's any like three line scratches on any of them. Anything, right? Yeah. No, anything, I don't. Yeah. So I think that like there's just a lot of like this This part was really enriching to to the, the universe of, of MCU because we're now being introduced to obviously this fictional space that's now being encompassed in canon and uh, who knows what else will come out of it and also in the comics there's this group called the Thunderbolts um, and actually my brother-in-law Rob was talking to me about this and he compared them to a suicide squad so they are basically former supervillains trying to be heroes and their leader is uh, Baron Zemo. Oh, wow. So you have Smiling Tiger. It was part of that group. Uh, same okay. with Winter Soldier down the road. Um, so oh, wow. what's interesting is that like there, there's just a lot that's being planted here for, for, for future, for definitely future. But it all sort yeah. of makes sense uh, as to, to where, where it could go. I was just going to jump to your next question real quick. In regards to the Winter Soldier scene, uh, I feel like uh, he, as much as his mind is cleared of the sort of fogginess that Hydra put in there, uh, it just goes to show you will always know those tricks that you have. And yes, it was so easy for him to get back into it because he knows what he is. He's a weapon. Yeah. Right. Like, even yeah, I love, instinct. I love, you know, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, it's just instinct. And it, and it felt really natural. And I was like, Whoa, look at this guy go, man. Like, just like, why would you want to cage that? His arm shot like a bullet yeah. dude. Like, and I, I loved, I love Zemo leaning over to Sam. And again, you, you show, you see just how good he is at dropping seeds into their mind, like right. planting these seeds of like, you know, um, oh, where he's, he's just like, didn't take much for him for him to fall back into form. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. And then, him. yeah, for sure. Right, yeah. and then you see that moment where Sam Sam asks Bucky, he's like, "You you okay, man? Like you okay? Yeah, you good?" Uh, and it's just right, and it's just like, it's just so cool to to sort of see that. But like, even in regards to Madripoor, like it was, it's so cool to see these these worlds brought into. Like we had Sokovia, it's gone, and now we've got Madripoor, and maybe we'll get Latveria at some point. 
um, you know, if we can if we can get those uh, those characters in. And I just I don't know, man, I'm I'm so stoked to see it. And I just thought it was a really good realization of that place. Yeah, I thought it looked really, really cool. Right. At least from afar, like what a wicked looking skyline it had. Oh, yeah. Uh, then you get into Lowtown and it's like every night is purge night in, in Lowtown. Like, <laughs> yeah, get me out of here, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's fully locked and loaded and ready to go. All right, yeah. So, um, so then after a short slow mo walk, for some reason, uh, sorry, we meet Selby, and Zemo offers his prized super soldier in exchange for information on the super soldier serum. Uh, she informs them that Doctor Wilfred Nagel uh, was working on the serum and that he's in Madripoor. Uh, before we have a chance to discuss things further, Sam's phone starts buzzing as Sarah is calling him. Selby forces Sam to answer the phone on speaker, and Sarah unknowingly gives up his real identity. Selby asks, uh, asks, who's Sam? And says, kill them. When, boom, Selby takes a bullet through the back, through the back, like came out the other side, uh, and they proceed to fight their way out. Uh, as they make their exit, all the other bounty hunters around them start to receive the info on Selby's assassination and the, the bounty on their heads. Uh, and just as, about, just as they're about to be stopped, they're rescued by none other then Sharon Carter, uh, who who decides to bring them up to her place in Hightown, where they discover she's an illegal art smuggler, uh, and they make a deal that if she helps them, Sam will have her pardoned. Uh, so, guys, what did you think of the reveal of Sharon Carter, and why do you think she's still off the grid, given her relationship with Steve Rogers? Like, don't don't you think that like she could have reached out to him before, you know, having having taken on this life of hustling, in, you know, instead, but. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, you know, you can take the thief out of the. You can take the. I don't know, but I don't know. But that, <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's her. It's her. It's her nature, right? And and yeah. I think she's as much as she probably wishes she could. You know, have a normal life. I think she's more suited and more comfortable, sort of surrounding herself in this kind of environment. It just sort of yeah. works for her. Yeah, I, I think this was a big, like, a uh, big question mark for me, and I and, and I think well, as we go further down, I will explain why. But I didn't like this Ooh. part, so oh. I feel like this was a bit strange. Uh, to your point, Nate, I feel like there could have been other people that she could have reached out to, right? And I feel like it, it kind of runs in parallel with what happened with Isaiah Bradley, right? Because we know in Isaiah Bradley's background that he 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 assumed the role of of Captain America. And mm-hmm. was was arrested and, and treat, treated as a treasonous uh, criminal for his actions of, of representing himself and and what so so it's kind of runs parallel with what Sharon did. She stole the shield and and the and the stuff, and then she was re- revealed as to be treasonous by her state. So kind of interesting, but I just feel like there's intention here that just feels a bit off because I feel like someone like Steve Rogers could have probably set her up for success even after Civil War like you know yeah. you know what I mean like like immediately after like if he had heard the granddaughter of his of his love Dude. was 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 under was weird you know, that's what I mean right like there's so yeah. I feel like there's something else going on here which uh, again I'll explain later she's she's technically both his ex-love interest and his granddaughter-in-law so I just figured she'd be pardoned for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. And but he has to I live did... with Peggy Carter knowing that he made out with his granddaughter. <laughs> yeah. Because he went back weird, in time, dude. right? Like, that's kind of so weird, strange. actually, what do you think about it? I don't it? know, man. Because then he Cap, realizes you... that, wait a minute, that was, listen, he's, that was he's my Captain granddaughter America. that I made out with. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but I, listen, speaking speaking of the granddaughter he made out with, I did love just how badass they made her, though. Yeah, like, absolutely. The, the, well, obviously, we'll get to it further in the episode, yeah. but even just the sniping. Like, just her with the sniper rifle. I was just like, who is that? Like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I did not expect to see her. And yeah. I, I know she's an agent, but, like, yeah. I just thought that was so cool. Sniper rifles are sniper rifles. If you got a sniper rifle, you're pretty much a weapon, right? If you, that's if it. you got it. So it's, yeah. well, it's sniper- the other stuff that we see later that's, like, total badassery right there. Yeah. Well, sniper's going to snipe. Uh, all right. So <laughs> then just as Zemo is getting his groove on... Uh, Sharon gathers the three of them. He does that like dance move. That's yeah, that was all so over the internet funny. right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Uh, but Sharon gathers, gathers the three of them uh, to to Nagel, uh, whose secret lab is in inside of a, a collection uh, of shipping containers. So she brings them there, and uh, they approach Doctor Nagel, who, after they threaten him with a gun to his head, informs them that he was brought into Hydra's Winter Soldier program to pick up their work after uh, the five failed test subjects uh, in Siberia. 
When Hydra fell, he was recruited by the CIA who had blood samples from an American test subject with semi-stable traces of the serum in his, in his system. After much labor, he was able to isolate the necessary compounds in his blood. He informs them that the serum was going to be different, subtle, optimized, perfect. Uh, before he was able to complete his work, he was dusted. And when he returned five years later to the program, uh, it was abandoned by the CIA. So he decided to bring his work to Madripoor under the funding of the power broker. Twenty vials were made, uh, and he lets them know that Carly Morgenthau stole them. Meanwhile, Sharon is kicking all sorts of ass outside as she takes down every bounty hunter that shows up. She runs inside to let them know they got to get out of there when Zemo shoots Nagel dead. And just as that happens, a bounty hunter from outside shoots a rocket into the shipping containers and blows the entire lab up. Uh, they escape but are surrounded by bounty hunters shooting at them. We see them rescued by a purple masked Zemo, uh, who then discovers a, a supercharged car, as he calls it, uh, and they, they drive off. Uh, they thank Sharon, and they're like, okay, we're out of here. Uh, and then we see Sharon, you know, find, I guess, like, it's like her assistant or something, uh, her, her friend, and they, they get in the car, and she's like, we got to talk about something. And then, and then they drive off. So, guys, two things. First, what did you think of the absolutely incredible combat in this scene? And what do you think of the confirmation that it was Isaiah's blood that was used to reconstruct the serum? Kevin. I mean, I didn't know when watching it that the, uh, it was written by the John Wick creator. Um, but it makes so much sense because it did feel very John Wickian. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, like, they really do make her look like an absolute badass in that so scene. Good. Yeah, it was really so well done. Like, but, like, love, that's also the yeah. most violent I've seen a Marvel movie be. Yeah. Like, she's the, shooting people in the head and stuff, head. like, point but they, blank. But you see the way they do it, yeah. right? Where it's like he's it's, he's behind the shipping container, yeah, so you don't yeah. actually see the bullet go into. But that's but like, still a lot of shooting for a, a, a family or whatever. Like a, <laughs> the knife stabs were. Knife were stab the, in the head. That's where I clued <laughs> into how much violence. But like yeah. to, to the point of what Nate was saying, like it's how they do it. Like the last guy she shoots. When he comes around the corner, the camera pushes in and he's out of frame so that when she yeah. shoots him, you don't see that bullet go through. You just know he she's got him, yeah. right? So it's like, yeah. and like when the stab happens, it's like, you know, it happens under the camera, like out of frame. So you can't see it, but you get the motion of it, right? So it's like, they did it really Disney-esque, but you, to your point, Kev, yeah, that was like the most violent, like killing Dude. I've seen. In the yeah. cinematography though, like the way that the camera sort of swoops it back like and one forth. Take to a certain de degree. Yeah, it felt like it felt like a video game. Like it reminded me a lot of some of the combat that we see in like God of War, mm. right? Where it is just really close up, very action camera moving between the legs at a certain point. And like, I just love how she used her enemy's weapons like against them. Yeah. Like she just like grabbed what she could and just, it was so well done. She didn't done. have a gun I, when she started out, right? Like she, right? I think she only had, uh, unless she, unless she had, it she had like it. that stick. Yeah. I think she had that, like that, that, that switch, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but like, you know, bringing up the fact that it is written by Derek Kolstad, like, absolutely. And that's where some of the, and I'll get to it later when we kind of get to our overall thoughts, but like, that's where some of the um, sort of, I think, parts where it sort of lost me, where mm. they they kind of the have pacing. those quick, very easy yes. moments, easy pacing. You see that in John Wick. John yes, Wick absolutely. very much is like, get to the next scene, get to the next fight, get to the next fight. And 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 even if you don't have to do that in a smart way, it's okay. Yeah, I, I entirely agree with you. I think that that now understanding who wrote this, it makes entirely like incredible amount of sense as to why certain things were kind of like just so easy in terms of like explanation, yeah. such as this doctor's explanation of what happened. Like it was crazy that we just got all the answers served to us right away, right? Like yeah. everything was just like there, which again, I, I might still question, maybe it was a red herring to throw these guys off, right? Like m yeah. maybe this yeah. was a setup because it just feels, everything felt very convenient about this. Oh, I know where he is. He's in his lab that's in a shipping container. But yeah, I think that there's something interesting about just how, how, how easily everything fell in. I'm assuming maybe it could be that he's throwing them off the power broker that is is throwing See, them off. i don't i don't think so i just think it's them finding out this information isn't the the crux of the story we're being told here right. it's just a means to to move to the next stage of it and so right. they do need to sort of breeze through these details a little yeah. quickly so we can get to maybe the the brunt of the story a bit yeah uh, that's a, that's a bit bigger and like i love i love that you see that that moment where 
Sam and Bucky sort of exchange that look right after Nagel says American test subject. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this this actually makes me think that, like, I know we've got our our what the Falcon uh, is going to happen. Yeah, segment, save but... it. I'm saving mine. Don't I don't want to hear yours. Do you want me to? Yeah. Just All right. Save I'll save it. it. I'll I'll save it. I'll save it. Okay. We'll get to it later. Before we move on, can we go back to what was the point of the setting up that they were going to be going to this party that we? Didn't oh, nothing. Really, like, no, it, it was, was to see Zemo dance. That's like, it. It was so weird. And it was like, it looks like, it sounds like they went on a bender that night, right? They're in the middle of like trying to track down this mysterious doctor who's doing something with super. And it's like, that, but you know what? Tonight we party, you know? <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> well, I, I, I think before, before they did that, they, there was a bit of a setup that they had to go finding the person that knew the location of where this doctor was. So they had okay, to hit we up just all don't these see scenes. it at all. No, we just saw one one scene, and that's what I mean. That's what felt very convenient. It was like, you see one dance club scene, you see Zemo fist pumping in the air, and then it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, we have uh, his whereabouts. It's in a shipping container. And then, you know, moving on to the next, right? So, again. Yeah, that was certainly easier. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if that was the line, though, Ke- or Justin. I think it was like, okay, I know where he is. And then the scene cuts to the Enjoy next. Enjoy the I'm party. Like, yeah, exactly. Not good. <laughs> Not good. That's, that's the kind of John Wick stuff that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get back uh, to Carly and Dovich, uh, who are surveilling a GRC supply depot in Lithuania. We learn that they are from Madripoor, uh, and Carly explains her aspirations of wanting to have been a teacher like Mama Danya. Uh, he reminds her that the power broker is going to catch up to them, and she lets him know that Nagel is dead and that the power broker will come begging now as they have the last of the serum. Guys, I'm going to kind of mix up the scenes similar to like I did in the first uh, episode of Overwatch Club, just so we can stay with the Flag Smashers, and then we'll get back to our other characters. Uh, So guys, then the Flag Smashers steal six months' worth of supplies from the GRC, uh, and as they walk away from the now incapacitated guards, Dovich asks Carly why she's leaving her car in front of the building. They get into Dovich's van, and she insists in that moment, like, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on, and boom, her car blows up, incinerating every single person inside of the GRC building. Dovich says uh, there were still people in the building, to which Carly replied with, this is the only language these people understand. So, guys, now that we know a little more of Carly's plan and sort of the measures she'll take to achieve a better life for her people, do you see her as a redeemable character who who makes it out alive in this series? Or do you think she's destined to end up just like Mama Danya? I think she's destined to end up like Zemo. Uh, fighting, oh, wow. fighting for a cause that she believes so strongly and that she'll go to any means any to, lengths, to, yeah. to achieve, even if it means people get hurt. I think there's going to be a parallel here. I think that that, that that was the big standout for me, at least, is that you know she's fighting for a cause, and I don't think you can discredit the fact that Zemo was fighting for a cause, right? I love that parallel, though, that you just, you're blowing my mind right there because <laughs> you know, you've, got, you've, got, but you've got Zemo, who very much... Yeah feels the like the exact same way that she does um and and but but there's that um there's that sort of um contrast between them because he hates super soldiers so you know it was interesting before we got to see the flag smashers in reality there was all this like sort of hype and and uh, people were thinking oh well the mask that they're wearing uh, the Flag Smashers is, you know, Zemo wears a mask. And so there was kind of that, that the, the two and two put together there. But obviously they're not together. But I, I love I love that sort of parallel between their characters. They're both these mask wearing, um, you know, but sort of people fighting for their, their cause. They're right? fighting for their cause, I, I, regardless of yeah. this mask wearing business. But also I don't think Zemo is necessarily, he hates super soldiers. He hates the idea of what the, the, the iconography and symbolism around heroes is based right. on the, the destruction that they leave because he's a victim of their destru- destruction but they get praises around the world of being these 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 heroes. There's that, that contrast. He knows that with the right sort of mental game that he is really Really equipped to play a super soldier can be used to his advantage like a Bucky or like a Carly yeah. I, he says as we get towards the end I know where it's at the end he says I look very much forward to meeting this Carly right and I Carly, think that yeah. that in itself is telling as mm, to where their, their interactions are gonna go well and I, and I just wonder if you know that wasn't a turning point for the flag smashers in that they're now going to be at conflict with themselves, you know, in addition to the outside threats that yes. they're going to have to face, you know? Yeah. So 
I, I, I think, yeah, like she, she might've gone a step too far there. They had, they had achieved their goal. They had achieved what they were there to do. There wasn't a need to exactly sort of send that sort of message. And I right. think that's what we'll see. And I think, I think Dovich is going to die. Um, I think Dovich is going to absolutely die. And that's just going to be another thing to, to push her over the edge. But what if it's her that does it because he's pr- pr- trying oh, to prevent wow. her from doing Whoa. something, right? And that's where oh, she takes man. another step towards yeah. sort of super villain, that villain, willing to do yeah. anything. Oh, yeah. wow. Kevin, please write the show. Um, all right. Well, getting back to John and Lamar, we kind of get this sort of like bookend uh, kind of scenes with them. So we saw them in the beginning. And now we're seeing them near the end. Um, we see them one step behind as John claims uh, that Sam and Bucky broke Zemo out of the German prison uh, and that the two of them are going to go off the books for their next move, saying, if we get the job done, do you really think they're going to sweat us on the how? Uh, so, guys, really quick, just before we keep going. What's John's next move? I think he's not going to report in about what he knows and where they are. He's going to start tracking Bucky and Sam, and he's just not going to—he's just not going to check in and let them know. Go he's going to—he's going to go off the grid, or he's going to tell them that he's doing one thing and he's not doing that. Right? Oh, we're following a lead over here, but they're over in you know another part of the world. Right? right? So, I love that because what if what if him not what if him not reporting in is what brings in the government? We get General Ross, uh, you know, kind of coming in. And and that's how we maybe bring his character into the show is like the lack of communication from his his John Walker pet, if you will. And and, you know, how much of John Walker sort of being a rogue sort of working for himself does Lamar put up with before he's sort of like, you know, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. you're 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 going too far. You're not uh, following the rules. And I don't know what if what if what if he kills Lamar? I'm sorry, I'm just going off of what you just said. <laughs> but it's true. Like, that would be There's crazy. A lot of backstabbing going to happen uh, you in know? this show. Yeah, eh? man, 100% in this spy thriller um, MCU show. Uh, guys, then we get back to Sam, Bucky, and Zemo on the plane uh, as Sam laments over his thoughts of everything Sharon had to go through uh, and how Nagel referred to Isaiah as the American test subject like he wasn't even a real person. Uh, he mentions he may have made a, a huge mistake in giving up the shield, and Bucky starts to agree with him uh, until Sam says he should have destroyed it instead. Uh, Bucky responds by saying that the shield means so much to so many people and to him, uh, and that he would sooner take it for himself. Then Torres informs Sam that Donya Madani was found dead, uh, so Zemo asks his butler slash pilot uh, to change course. Uh, Now, last week, guys, we had Mr. Mitch George on the show, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, he had mentioned how he really thinks that Bucky is going to die. Hearing of his uh, aspirations to take on the shield, do you guys think we'll see him uh, as acting Captain America, maybe even in his final moments? No, uh, I think I honestly think, though, that he will steal the shield because I think we've we've seen it in the trailers. We know Sam. And 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 Bucky will end up with the shield because they do like target practice. I have a, I have a theory about how too, that happens. Me too. We'll get to okay, it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. So, um, and I, I I think that what could happen is is that we'll we'll see them try to hold the mantle of the shield and and maybe maybe fail at it. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, but guys, then once they're in uh, in Riga. Um, which it's like Riga, Latvia, I think. Uh, Sam, Bucky, and Zemo are heading to Zemo's next like safe house uh, when Bucky sees something on the ground. He mentions he's going to take a walk, and then he follows a trail of small black beads. And after picking up the last one, he says, I was wondering when you were going to show up. He turns around to see Ayo, leader of the Dora Milaje, uh, who responds by saying, I'm here for Zemo. So, guys, were you expecting to see a Wakandan in this series? Uh, and do you think the series is going to address who is currently ruling over Wakanda? Justin? No to that question, because I don't think they okay. even do yet. Uh, or they've, okay. they've really officially <laughs> They done haven't that. fully figured it out. Um, yeah. But I was expecting this after Sam's little, you know, do you think Wakanda has forgotten? So obvious. And I don't know, yeah. it just stood yeah. out. And I was like, okay, Good so we'll probably see... Someone from Wakanda show up and want to get get Zemo. I just didn't think it was going to be in this episode. I was very surprised at the end when I saw that black bead. I was like, is that? 
And then I'm like, oh, there's another yeah. one. I'm like, what is that? I was like remembering. I'm like, yeah. is it something? And then I was like, oh, it makes sense. So They're called the Kamoyo beads? Kamoyo beads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think given that this show really is shaping up to be like a sequel to Winter Soldier and Civil War, it, it only makes sense that we get the Wakandan presence, especially because of Bucky's history with 100%. them. It just it makes yes. total sense. I'm just wondering why they went with the, the lesser, the less familiar of the two sort of female bodyguards. Like, why think, wasn't it Akoi instead? Well, because you know? I think to Justin's point. I think they're maybe still considering, you know, Shuri or Okoye or uh, or Nakia Mbaku. Mbaku, as yeah. a, or Mbaku, right, as a potential next Black Panther or at least ruler of Wakanda. So I think Ao is a great character being here because she she was actually the first of the Dora Milaje under T'Challa's rule, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. He's, she's kind of like the first person that you see as like his bodyguard. There's that amazing moment where she, I think it's um, she's talking to Black Widow where she's like, move. Or you will be moved. moved. Yeah. I was just like, okay, yeah. let's go. Like, I want to see more of her. Well, yeah, um, and in so. the comics, she does have a, a far more significant yeah. role, and yes. sort of, yeah, she led a rebellion that sort of formed the way that Wakanda was was ruled afterwards. So, I'm, yeah. I'm actually glad that they chose her and not necessarily someone well known. I think that uh, she's known, obviously, within the Black Panther. Uh, I mean, I had to look at I had to look up who that was if if we had seen her before. And yeah, I guess I, yeah, I she remember, was pretty prominent, yeah. but like you know. Um, the what, what's her name? Danae Guerrera from yep. you know who I would know Danae from Walking Guerrera, Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she would have just been more recognizable. I think that was mm, that sure. was all. That was like Sarah was like, who the heck is that? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's for a lot of the more casual audiences of the MCU. Um, there's you know it's a good thing that there's articles all over the internet for them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I you know I also think like in Bucky's story, which is all about redemption, um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see who he supports here. Right. Like, will he get in the way of her because he knows that they need Zemo to stop the super soldiers? Or maybe he actually ruins the plan by helping her to kill Zemo. Uh, maybe even like really soon, maybe in the next episode. No, I, I, you know? I feel like I feel like what's going to happen here is that he knew what was going to happen. Like, I, obviously, yeah. he said, I, I, I was wondering when you were going to show. Um, I think he knew what was going to happen when this when he broke Zemo out. And he was going to have to deal yeah. with it. And if anyone's going to actually going to deal with it, it would be him. If it was Sam, I don't think they would have the the luxury of a conversation. They would just take Zemo back and return him to prison. Do you know what I mean? But because they know Bucky's involved, they want to know what's what's up, right? So I feel like who knows? Maybe in the next one, she helps on one of their little missions, right? That that needs that that will get them to their next solution, right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. I love that. Um, okay. Well, guys, that is it for the uh, the the plot of this episode. Um, guys, let's hear it. Your overall thoughts and score for the episode, uh, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five, uh, Kamoyo beads. Um, so yeah, who wants to go first? I'll jump. I'll jump in. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I actually really liked it. I thought it was a really solid episode. I think it it did a lot of 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 the heavy lifting in terms of sort of setting up who our major players are on both sides um you know i thought the the just the 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 sort we got that real buddy cop feel with with zemo uh bucky and sam sort of working together and i thought it led to just some great on-screen chemistry um and obviously zemo just what a what a performance uh i hope we see him for the rest of the show i just think he's he's really terrific in that regard um I like what they they're doing with the flag smashers. I think the 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 two actors they've chosen there are doing a really solid job of of painting, giving those characters some some real personality and some real depth. Um, so I liked it, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And this, if this show can keep doing that, where the momentum just feels like it's building more and more through each episode, uh, then I think it's going to be a lot of fun as it sort of winds down over the next three episodes. Um, um, I'm going to give this a 4.2 out of 5 Kamoyo beads. Mm. All right. Interesting. So there's just like a, a piece of some Kamoyo beads just on the ground there. Yeah, smashed one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a flag smashed one. Justin, uh, what are your final thoughts on uh, the episode? Um, well, right off the bat, my rating for this one will be much lower than uh, previous episodes. I'm going to give this episode 3.9 out of 5 Kamoyo beads. There you go. There you go. Nailed it. That's a 78. That's not even certified fresh. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, But I feel like um, 
the thing the thing that that b- bothered me about the episode was some of the pacing some of the convenience yep. of of things what i did love about it is more the easter eggs that it planted for things that might not necessarily be associated to this storyline but the greater mcu like madripoor mutants even friggin wolverine right so it's just it's cool right um but I do think that they are, again, just slowly seed planting some really interesting elements that I'm going to be more excited to see uh, kind of take fruition in other episodes. So for now, this one's a little bit lower than the rest. So, yeah, 3.9. Okay. Isn't it amazing what WandaVision was able to uh, do for us as fans? Yes. Now, you know, we go to a place like Madripoor and we go to Wolverine's bar yeah. and we're just like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's all I need. That's fine, yeah. right? Whereas a month ago we would have been, what the hell? Why didn't we see more? You know, but now we're yeah. like, yeah, they're probably not going to show us anymore. So take what you get and deal with it. Because of Mephisto. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But I, I, I got, I want to see this universe's Wolverine from Madripoor who owns this bar who wears like a white tuxedo he wears a white tuxedo and he has an eye and patch and an eye patch yeah and what he a disguise like, awesome. yeah, he looks what a like a bond disguise. villain right like he looks like <laughs> a bond so villain cool. so well listen I, 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 I'm taking back uh, what I said last week I don't think we'll actually get him uh, in this in this series um, as much as I would love that um, but no, for me, guys, this episode was the weakest so far. Um, and even it being the weakest, though, I still thought it had fantastic moments. Um, I thought the way they showed the breakout was actually really great to keep the plot moving while still showing us kind of the breakout scenes that we, we needed to see. Um, and, you know, I, I did find, though, that like there were some really strange choices that that kind of took me out of the show every now and then. Uh, like the pointless the, that's slow motion moment where they're walking into Selby's room was absolutely pointless um or or even the moment of you know zemo listen it's funny seeing him dance for a half second but that whole dance thing and then having sharon as i mentioned earlier come in and being like okay guys i found him let's go i was just like what like that's literally what she says um so for me like those moments of pacing where where yes it's keeping the plot going but it's not doing it in smart ways um really felt off to me so uh, i did not really enjoy that um, I thought the character uh, chemistry again was was fantastic between Zemo and Bucky and Sam, and I just love I love that. Um, and and you know, don't get me wrong, like I love the whole um, like ensemble cast thing, but I think the pacing was was off between uh, characters, and for some of them, felt too small at times. Like again, just the whole aspect. Like I like the book ending of the scenes with John and Lamar at the beginning and at the end. But it just sort of they felt a little unnecessary in this episode. If you're if you're going to do them, do them. Don't just show us them for like 0.5 seconds. Um, but overall, like again, when when Marvel puts something out that isn't perfect, it's still still really great. And and what they introduced in this episode and what they laid the foundation for with Madripoor uh, and with with Wakanda. Um, in this episode. And also, guys, I'm just going to up the points on this one because of uh, Sharon's combat. I just think it was so, so fantastic. Um, so for that reason and all those reasons, I'm giving this episode four out of five Kamoyo beads. I can't break into the threes like Justin. I'm sorry. I can't. I love the MCU too much. Uh, so four out of five Kamoyo beads. Kevin, you look like you were totally disagreeing with me on some stuff. Uh, well, I just, uh, you know, I think... This episode wasn't necessarily about John and, and Lamar's story so much, but you need to see them. We need to know where they sure. are, and yeah. I think they'll, they'll we'll see a lot more of them in the next episode. Right. Uh, and to for them to have shown us sort of the, the where this character is going in one scene, for them to be able to do that, I think that's just that's strong writing when you're able to get that much character development in such a short amount of time. So I think it hit the, 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 the notes for that. I think the, particular I think the first, moment. I think the first scene did Kevin, to your point, I think the last scene was, but now we know where they're going, right? They're going to, yeah. they're going to track our guys down. So we need to know these things, but you don't have to dwell on them too long. I guess. Well, guys, speaking of, of dwelling on things too long, we're going to wrap up this episode, but just before we do, I want to know guys, we got to talk about it. Do we have any predictions for where we think, all of this is going to go. I need to know what the Falcon is going to happen, Kevin. Uh, well, you guys have been touting that you've got these grand f- fantasies about where this is going. So I'm just going to sit back here and listen <laughs> and to enjoy. you guys. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Justin, go ahead, buddy. 
All right, I'm going to I'm going to drop some hot takes for you. No, just, dude, what the Falcon? What, what the Falcon? Falcon okay, it's going to happen, dude. I totally am wondering what is up with Sharon Carter. I don't know if she's working for the power broker or if she, she is the power broker. Is the power broker. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think she might yeah. be the power broker. And I think that's why she didn't that's why she didn't go back and try to get a pardon or try to get back home. She wanted to earn her have her own power if you will something that was yeah, for but then herself why why help um sam and bucky she didn't go in though right like she didn't she didn't go in right she off stayed the bat. outside and protected them and she led them there and she saved them she the led night them before there. i i think i think i think they're still integral to whatever plan could be going on um because obviously when she gets back to the car and she tells that assistant you know we got to talk about some stuff well, um, who knows? Sorry, just just to go, Kevin. Was she protecting them, or was she protecting the potential serum inside of those canisters? Mm, right, okay. right, right. Okay. And like, not only that, but in the in, and sorry, Justin, you can keep going. No, but no, like, yeah. the 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 power broker is watching. We yes. see that written all over the walls. Yes. So how would she like? She snipes Selby right away, yeah. and then she's she's always watching. Yeah. And so, like, part of me right, thinks that, like, you're, you're swaying me, especially right? the way she she's upset when when Zemo kills the doctor, right? Yes. Why yeah. would she be so upset at that moment yes. if she didn't have something at stake yeah. there, dude? Dude, swaying. I'm being swayed, yeah. dude. Yeah. I, I love that I idea. I don't think the intention. I don't think the intention was to necessarily um, get them off the track of the super soldier formula. It's getting them off the track of the power broker and who the power broker was, which is why she led them there. Um, and she was protecting them obviously because she knew that the hit was out and that hit went out pretty quickly. It also makes me wonder if she put the hit out. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. she, she put yeah. the hit out so that they killed a few of her own men to sort of, well, sure. even up the score a little, who knows there could be a bigger plan at play here. So anyways, I thought that was really interesting. Um, Bucky's acknowledgement of stealing the shield back I think is really cool as an interesting idea and I think that might be the turning point for John when he gets his ass handed back to him by a super soldier and the shield gets taken from him that he's like yo I'm not Captain America oh. I gotta take some super soldier formula and I'll be Captain America and that's what's gonna kind of push him over the edge of like trying to track if if but not by the point that that happens that we know who the power broker is or if that's just more you know, amplification for him to say, I need to find the power broker because he is going to give me what I need. Right. So, Very yeah, cool. that's, those are some two hot takes. Cause I, I feel like Simo yeah. is going to, is going to screw them over at some point, which is going to lead them to, to kind of fail at some point in this season. And they're going to take the shield and kind of go into like their own hiding, probably back where Sam's from. Uh, in mm. in uh, yeah, yeah. Georgia, yeah, it kind of does look like that area, yeah, right? Yeah. And they're just gonna sit out there and just you know probably toss that shield around and just do some target practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and chew, okay, no, let's let's it, go into the back and toss the old shield like it's, around. It's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like in Age of Ultron after they had yeah. their asses handed to them in South Africa, right? Mm. Uh, they yeah. they went to. Uh, uh, Hawkeye's place and they they kind of you know took a beat and just tried to figure out what their next plan was so I think we'll see that happen again and this time they'll have the shield and I think there'll be a lot more uh, at stake so hot takes for what okay. the Falcon is going on but Nate what the Falcon's going on bro let me jump in on this so here's the deal okay if if I don't know if she's if she is the power broker if she's not the power broker I think if she's a good character, then I think maybe she actually is the one that has the real shield and that she had stolen the shield again because she stole the shield the first time. She's stolen the shield from the museum and that the museum, she replaced it with a fake shield, just given the fact that she's that art dealer. Why did, and, Why else did they have to spend time setting that up if right? not for that? Okay. Right? I like like that maybe too. they bring that into play. And so she, she, she has the real shield and maybe she ends up giving it to them. And, and you see like this moment where like John, to your point, does get his ass handed to him and the shield breaks. And like maybe that's like an end credits thing where you're like, holy crap, someone can break the shield. But like it's not the real shield. I don't know. I think that would be a really cool sort of switcheroo. And it would also just sort of call back to the fact that she does, you know, she's stolen the shield before. She'll do it again. And maybe she makes like a quip about it or a joke about it. I don't know. I think that would be really cool. 
like and that. Uh, yeah, and uh, I also I also have some like other theories here. Like, I think I think that if she's not the power broker, uh, that maybe Zola is involved. Um, because Zola is, he's, you know, we've seen him now. He's a computer program. He's like a robot. He's like kind of like an Ultron. And so like maybe because, you know, you notice that moment, that John Wick moment where all the bounty hunters get texted so quickly. Like, is he going mm. through the internet to, I, like I don't know. That. I don't know. I, I like that. I hundred percent yeah. like that. I liked the introduction of Zola in, in, uh, the winter soldier and how they introduced, reintroduced him yeah. as this sort of computer mind frame and, uh, you know, interface. And yeah, like if that's all that he existed in and, and he, you can't imagine that that was the only place he might've existed in. There must've been some sort of backup of that data. Right. Yeah, dude. So yeah, that's an interesting theory. I, I enjoy that. It would be interesting to bring that character back and, and the rich, rich history of Hydra and really how Hydra is really at the root of all of this, uh, I think is, is, is quite compelling. And then my last one, and this one is, I'm just going to throw out there guys. This not is like Mephisto, a man. This is like a Mephisto. <laughs> it's not Mephisto, but it's someone else that starts with M. I'm uh, I'm wondering if maybe we get to see the Mandarin in Madripoor at some point, um, and maybe he's you know um, you know we we think that like they're talking about the power broker when they're talking about like the the man up high in up uptown or whatever, but maybe the Mandarin. Is, is maybe a really big player in all this, and that's how they can set some stuff up for Shang-Chi, which I know is going to be coming up, I think, is, isn't it this year? It is this year. It's going to be September. It was moved to September. Right. So yeah. I, I could see that happening, but listen, that's my last... I'm just throwing that one out there for fun. Interesting. Um, but yeah, guys, those are my, uh, my what the Falcon is going on. I, I really hope that we get something right, because so far I'm only gotten... The, the you know the thing about the notebook <laughs> correct so far yeah, but, so, that's, but that's what's hopefully. fun about it right like I, I yeah. feel like you know the whole fun of like a talking about it you know and doing these podcasts is, is to kind of just you know just be geeks about it you know read yeah. between the lines talk about what we love and what we'd like to see happen and if it happens boom like we were talking about Madripoor for a while and it's just nice to see that confirmation of of it show up in this show so you know goes to show it happens it's not they're not all Mephistos, right? Like they're not all failures. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. But he might still be in the, he might actually be uh, the power broker. Uh, <laughs> um, well, listen, if you want to write in the show with your thoughts and, and maybe share your uh, what the Falcon is going to happen predictions for the series, uh, you don't have to drink a snake's amniotic sac to get our email. Uh, Justin, can you just tell them what the email is? Yeah, please don't do that. That's not good for your health. Uh, you can reach no. us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That is wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's it for this week's uh, purple mask filled episode of Watch Club. And uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, uh, if you haven't already. Um, and uh, and if you don't know, we also have more than just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek Centric Podcast with our latest episode out now, where we talk all things ragtag antiheroes and play a round of fake or real strange comic book character edition. Uh, so go give that a listen. Give it a five star review on apple podcasts and then uh this week uh, i've got a big wrestlemania sized episode planned uh where we uh finally do some uh chit-chatting about wrestling with a couple uh special guests so i'm excited Ooh. for that too a wrestling podcast what i mean i guess those guys are pretty geek centric about wrestling yeah so, but guys justin and uh baron kevin uh thank you so much for joining me for today's watch club and as we say on, on your, your left, left.